0: What the we're here, the season finale already? Wow, <laughs> man, this season's gone by quickly. Yeah, yeah, it's here. Season finale for Stanford football, and a uh, challenging season ends with one last big test. And we're talking about it on the Treecast with Troy Clarity on the Believe Podcast Network, Wednesday, November 24th, 2021. Man, Thanksgiving is almost here. After the show's done, I'm going to hit the gym and then throw, throw a bird in the smoker <laughs> and have a good old time for the rest of the day. Looking forward to it. I'm Troy Clarity. Hope you've got big things uh, planned as well for uh, your Thanksgiving weekend coming up, including checking out Stanford football. Yep, season finale as uh, they welcome the Notre Dame Fighting Irish to the farm. You're going to hear from Stanford head coach David Shaw, plus a little bit from Stanford nose tackle Dalen Wade Perry and Cardinal left tackle Walter Rouse. But our special guest for this episode will be a guy whom I've really enjoyed watching play. I I think he has been by far the constant uh, for Stanford, especially in its front seven. Uh, But uh, a true one of the better defensive players um, in the Pac-12 and really one of the all-around better people as far as student-athletes are concerned, not just in the Pac-12, but in the entire NCAA, Thomas Booker. Seemed kind of fitting, right, that, that we started this year at uh, media day, Pac-12 media day down in L.A., uh, talking to uh, Thomas Booker and Michael Wilson as well. But seems kind of fitting that, uh, that we finish up the season by uh, getting uh, Thomas's thoughts on the season and what could potentially be next for him. Uh, coming up uh, in in the months ahead. So Thomas Booker, our special guest on this week's epi- on this episode of the Tree Cast. I'm just the host. I'm just Troy Clarity. <laughs> this is going to be the wrap of my 29th season of following Stanford football. With season number 30, I'm sure to come in 2022 pac 12 network play-by-play as well year number eight of that is in progress and actually pac 12 network play-by-play is why i will not be at stanford stadium this saturday i've got the uh, stanford cal uh volleyball match up in berkeley which is later on that evening so uh won't be at the farm on uh, this upcoming saturday but i'll be keeping an eye on things and we'll be back with you after uh that game is done uh, on the next episode of the tree cast but uh this is my favorite time of year. My favorite of the holidays, Thanksgiving. Uh, you get a chance to kind of take some stock and uh, be grateful and be thankful for uh, for the things that you do have, the people in your life, um, and 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 all those all those sorts of other things as well. And I'm certainly look. I I would much rather have been talking about better stuff <laughs> the last six weeks, but still uh, grateful and thankful to have this outlet to talk about the subject that that is very near and dear and close to my heart. At the Stanford football and Stanford athletics as a whole, and uh, super grateful uh, that you have decided to spend time with us uh, for every episode, and even if it's not for every, every episode, if you check in every now and then, um, or if this is your first time checking us out, uh, certainly grateful that you're spending some time with the Tree Cast. Stanford 3 and 8 on the season, they've dropped six in a row, Notre Dame 10 and 1. And number six in this week's college football playoff rankings and maybe looking for some style points to impress the committee and get into that top four. We'll get you three things you need to know about Stanford football heading into Saturday's matchup. We'll do that in just a moment or, or so. And plus, obviously, later on in the show, we'll do a deeper dive into some things we could possibly see with with uh, on Saturday, not just with Thomas Booker, but from my own personal analysis as well i know you always look forward to that but first it's thanksgiving we all know and we all know what that means football and nothing goes better with football than turkey and betting bet online has you covered all holiday season with more props odds and lines than ever before online remains your number one spot for all the sports action this Thanksgiving. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus with a promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your bonus. It's not just football. online also has pro and college hoops. NHL, boxing, UFC, even your favorite Vegas casino game. So don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. I bet you're looking forward to three things. It's become a fan favorite of the show. Three things you need to know about Stanford football this week. And as always, we begin with number one. And Stanford's defensive struggles are no secret. We've, we've talked about them on this show. The coaches and players have talked about it. And, and heck, you've seen it, uh, especially the last few weeks, uh, every Saturday uh, against Utah on Friday. But I think you know what I mean. And, and the most glaring problem for Stanford of late has been tackling. So many missed tackles the last few weeks. What's the team doing to shore things up in that department? David Shaw told us what he could on his media zoom this week.
1: Yeah, I'm not going to be overly specific there, um, but we have tweaked some things, in how we practiced uh, the last week plus. Um, gonna work on that a little bit more this week as well. Um, you know, it's late in the year. Don't want to don't want to beat our guys up. They're already beaten up a little bit uh, by taking guys to the ground. Uh, but there are things that we've worked on, technique wise. Some things we we've tweaked in our daily practice schedule to um, get our guys in position. Uh, that's the first and foremost part, is getting in position to make the tackle before you actually physically make the tackle. Um, and that's a, that's something we've worked on quite a bit and we we'll work on again, that again this week, um, but we need to. Yeah, Shaw
0: didn't really want to get into specifics for you know what should be some fairly obvious reasons there, but uh, yeah, there, there's there's no doubt, we talked about this, the tackling has been far, far below the line. A lot of that is probably due to a lot of really banged up dudes running around out there uh, for Stanford defensively but there is no question about it. Tackling once again a major, major focus for Stanford this week and it's certainly going to need, need to be on point against the Irish. Speaking of the Irish, let's move on to number And Notre Dame is number six in this week's college football playoff rankings and that's certainly enough to get Stanford's attention but even if the Irish weren't trying to break into the college football playoff conversation anytime Notre Dame's on that opposite
1: sideline it's a big deal David Shaw knows it a nationally televised game um, they're very very good um, we have shown that we can be good but we have not been consistently good um, so uh, hopefully uh, the the Golden Domers uh, bring out the best in our football team and you know for for the first time in over a month um, see if we can see the best of stanford football it's david shaw and even though it seems like eons ago stanford
0: has already beaten one top 10 team this year that stunning shocker against then number three oregon i still can't believe that with the irish in the house can lightning strike for stanford twice cardinal left tackle walter rouse would love to see it i just think the uh, the
2: belief that we had in each other um, before the game and all throughout the game and the confidence that we had, uh, we can really use that going into Notre Dame. Like you said, no one believed that we could win. The only people that we thought could win that game was those people in the locker room, the coaches, the players, and the staff. Um, and just knowing that everyone had one mindset, one goal, that we could win this game, we played our style of football. And we did do that. We, we could win the game. And I believe we take that from, or- uh,
0: take what we had from Oregon and bring that to Notre Dame. That can, uh, that that can get us the game and not
2: only, you know, make it a game but, you know, we could actually make a statement.
0: That's Walter Rouse. And yeah, Stanford is looking for multiple wins against top 10 teams in one season, which will be the first time since 2017, when the card beat number nine, Washington, then beat number nine, Notre Dame, two weeks later. Hmm. Finish up three things with number three, and senior day ceremonies will be held before the game for all fourth, fifth, and sixth year seniors, with 27 guys being recognized all told. Among them, players like Thomas Booker, Tom Tucker Fisk, uh, Houston Haimouli, Jacob Mangum Farrar, Ricky Miazon, Gabe West, uh, Gabe Reed rather, Jack West, Michael Wilson, and Isaiah Sanders. Also on that list is fifth year nose tackle Dalen Wade Perry. On Tuesday, I asked Dalen how he looks back
2: on his Stanford experience. Overall, it's been great. It's been a great learning experience, um, a great growth experience. Uh, You know, five years ago, I couldn't see myself being here for five years, you know, obviously, but looking back at it now, I'm just thankful to have had this opportunity and be around just the great people in this building and outside of this building too, like on campus and the dorms just being around such great people with such enthusiasm on getting better in every aspect of life. It's just, it's an experience that, you know, people would kill for It's
0: Dale and Wade Perry and it's well said, and those young men will be recognized regardless of whether they have remaining eligibility and regardless of whether they plan to return next year or not. And there will be a lot of those decisions coming up in the next few weeks. A lot of stuff happened to the senior class that it hadn't really planned on both on and off the field, but those young men persevered, and they're great representatives of a great university. And a big-time thank you from me to the senior class. Those are three things. One of those seniors, Thomas Booker, is our special guest. He's coming up in a uh, brief moment or so, but first, let me get you the injury update from David Shaw's Tuesday, Zoom, his final weekly media Zoom of the season. Well, wow, I can't believe this is the last week of the year. <laughs> this season went by just in the blink of an eye. Uh, but the injury update, lighter than normal. Four guys have been declared out. Wide receiver John Humphreys, wide receiver Silas Starr, outside linebacker Stephen Herron, and running back and punt returner Casey Philkins just uh, wasn't able to make it back uh, for this season. Uh, t- tight end and defensive end Tucker Fisk is questionable, but uh, those five guys were the only uh, players listed uh, on uh, David Shaw's uh, personnel update uh, during Shaw's uh, weekly media Zoom on this Tuesday. And hopefully uh, that question mark straightens into an exclamation point for Tucker Fisk as we get closer and closer to Saturday. Our special guest on this week's episode is a guy who... For Stanford football, really, by this point in his career, shouldn't need that much of an introduction. Thomas Booker, senior from Ellicott City, Maryland, finalist for the Senior Class Award and the Campbell Trophy, also known as the Academic Heisman. And the guy who not only has, as we mentioned at the top of the show, Just been an absolute stalwart on on that Stanford defensive line and in the front seven. And and by far, to me, to me, by far, uh, the one true main constant uh, throughout this year, especially um, in the front seven. But also a really good guy, a good student athlete. And oh, by the way, made the big block against Cal last year to uh, send the X back to Palo Alto in that 2020 big game after Tuesday's practice on a chilly evening on the farm Thomas Booker and I caught up here's our chat Thomas Booker our special guest on the tree all right Thomas we started the year chatting at media day back in LA in late July and now here we are the season finale as Notre Dame is, is is coming to town we'll get your thoughts on that matchup here in a second but Overall, your thoughts on the season. Your summary on the season. Some high points and some some tough moments, especially the last six weeks or so. How would you sum it all up?
2: Yeah, I think it's been it's been a bit of a roller coaster ride this season. Obviously, you know, opening up with a, a loss to Kansas State, but you know, coming back, surging against USC and against Oregon. Uh, those were two huge wins for us. Um, but yeah, it's just been a tough go, you know what I'm saying, with uh, injuries. Um, and then that's just not playing up to our potential um, in some of the games. So yeah, for us, it's been a roller coaster ride, but the one thing that stayed constant is everybody's commitment. You know, um, football is a game of adversity and of momentum. So I think uh, I'm really proud of the way the guys have fought, you know, the adversity and when the momentum swung, you know, against us. So yeah, roller coaster ride is how I'd like to say it, but everybody that's been along for it has been resilient.
0: I've gotten that sense as well, uh, when scores kind of get out of hand and things aren't looking so great. But I've never gotten the sense this year that this team has just kind of, you know, let its guard down. Yeah, never down checked out. Like
2: never that. checked out. That's our thing. We're never going to check out. This is all about, you know, pride, what you put on tape. Um, and that's not dictated by the scoreboard or anything else like that. You know, it's a play-by-play thing. Uh, You play the same way up 30 uh, that you do down 30, you know. Um, So that's kind of the mentality that we want to play with. Obviously, you don't want to be down 30, but, you know, life is life. Stuff happens.
0: Was there a turning point this season for you?
2: Um, For me personally, I think, uh, I don't know. I think uh, this year, like, was was going from, like, really being comfortable um, and and dominating last year to kind of putting it all together. And, you know, I think this year I've been able to do that um, pretty well. Obviously, again, I had some adversity. Certain times, you know, I feel like I could have played a little bit better. But overall, you know, I feel like I've been so much more aggressive um, and cerebral when it comes to, you know, playing defense. Uh, I think I've finally kind of gotten all of the the thinking out of the game, and I'm just going, Um, you know. So that's been super helpful. It's always much more fun to play defense where you can just go and let your athleticism take over versus, you know, thinking too much about your responsibility or whatever, you know, and that comes with some experience and time in the defense
0: obviously run defense has been a subplot for the squad this year uh, with things not trending i'm sure the way that, that anyone would have planned uh, this season what sort of things just haven't clicked as far as that's gone especially over the past few weeks or so
2: yeah i think when you look at our, our tape um, you see a lot of good things in the run defense the issue is the consistency and the fact that we allow some big plays um so it's a lot of the time you know outside of three to four plays you know we're allowing below four yards to carry below 3.5 Um, But outside of a couple of these plays, we're not fitting stuff the right way, where they're bringing different pin and pull schemes out, um, and guys just aren't fitting the blocks the correct way. That's where they're getting these big hitters. Um, So for us, it's just the consistency throughout the game, right? Um, You can play a fantastic game on defense. You can play, you know, 40 out of your 45 snap shoot. 70 out of your 75 correctly, um, but the five that you don't fit the right way can end up being the difference makers that are explosive to plays So, you know, it's kind of a tagline that you hear for a lot of defenses that are struggling with run run defense um, But you know limiting the explosive runs keeping everything, you know with in front of the in front of that second level So yeah,
0: margin for error obviously so slim especially in college football and especially mm-hmm. in the Pac-12 um, Let's take it back. Yeah Take you back in the Wayback Machine a little bit. Okay. Your okay. first day on the farm, your first day in this program. What do you remember about it? What were some of the, uh, I imagine there was a lot of excitement, a lot of anticipation. Yeah. What were some of the things you were feeling when you were getting started here on the farm?
2: That's a great question. I think for me it was anticipation, um, kind of questions about, you know, whenever you move up a level, right, middle school to high school, high school to college, college to pro, you always got that question like, all right, can I be as exceptional here as I was, you know, at the, at the level before. So that was a question that I had when I came in. And, uh, you know, throughout camp, you know, I kind of, First time I really gotten thrown around. (laughs) Doesn't, it didn't happen to me in high school like that. Um, But got a reality check when I got into college. But once I settled in um, and kind of got some of those jitters away, those freshman jitters, I got much more comfortable and I understood that I could do something special at this level. Um, but, yeah, that first day, it was really just a lot of anticipation, you know, excitement for what was to come. Obviously couldn't have foreseen a, a pandemic kind of cutting the, my college experience in half. Um, but, but yeah, you know, it's whenever you're at the, the kind of window of possibilities, that's how I felt, you know, um, and kind of looking back on it now is crazy just because you know that saying the whole the days are long but the years are short is really really true who were
0: some of the guys when you first came into the program who kind of helped Guide you and kind of help show the way to to what being in this program is, is really all about.
2: Yeah, I think uh, guys like Dylan Jackson, uh, Mike Williams, Javon Swan, um, all of those older dudes, Tomashaffer as well, um, were really instrumental in kind of you know giving me the space and the time to develop into what I was going to be, and also just giving me the little tips and tricks about how to operate and maneuver in college as a college football player. Because you know there isn't a guidebook to this. You know there's unique ways you can do it, but um, I think a really big thing is having your seniors, having your older guys, you know, ready to bestow wisdom upon the among on on the on the younger guys in terms of how to do things the right way, you know, in terms of how to do your work, how to get your time managed and all that. So that was super helpful for me.
0: You realize that of course you're in big game lore with the block from last year. I'm sure that's a story you're gonna be telling the kids, the grandkids Great grandkids everyone <laughs> random people at restaurants all that's all that sort of stuff
2: you know if it comes up then i'll I'll expound upon it but uh i'll let the, I'll let other people talk about it but uh yeah no that was that was a crazy moment um I think for me, like one of my dreams has always been to make you know the game winning play when it's needed most. Um, so, you know, to be able to do that along with the rest of the, the block team was incredible. You know, you can do the walk-off play, you know, the walk-off hit in baseball, game-winner in basketball, in this case a block a blocked PAT. Um, yeah, it's a beautiful feeling. So something I'm definitely going to remember for the rest of my life.
0: It's Thanksgiving week. I know your family's here. You're excited about that, spending the whole week. You're going to have a chance to have, have a dinner with them at some point uh, during the week. What is Thomas Booker thankful for?
2: Man, there's so much, honestly. You know, um, I think first and foremost is my family. Um, My mother and father and my sister, all of them have been, you know, incredible role models for me in different ways. Um, You know, my sister going to Princeton and then going to Duke Law School um, has kind of showed me the blueprint for academic success and just grinding. Uh, So I really respect her for that and so many other things. Uh, My father and my mother always impressing upon me the importance of being like a holistic man. Uh, I'm super thankful for that. I'm also just thankful for, you know, my experience at Stanford. Um, this has been a, a crazy four years, obviously because of the pandemic, like I mentioned earlier, but I've also learned so much, not only from an academic sense, but, you know, about myself, about how I learned, about how I respond to adversity. Um, and I'm thankful for the Stanford football program and the guys that I've been around, you know. Um, as I kind of come to the end of my run here, you know, you get a little bit more introspective about, um, you know, what's happened, uh, what you've gained, what you've learned, all the insights you've had. And uh yeah, just being around these guys all the time has made this so worth it, you know. The guys in my class, being able to talk with them, being able to see them on a daily basis and relate to them has, you know, been a, a huge blessing for me over this four years. So yeah, that and, you know, meeting all the new people, the classmates, the professors and all that. It's hard to put into words all the things that I'm, you know, thankful for. A
0: Couple last things here for you. Uh, this is it, the last shot, the last dance. It comes against the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Yeah. Uh, kind of missed having those guys on the schedule last yeah. year, along with USC. But hey, 2020 went full 2020. Mm-hmm, um, here come the Irish once again. Your initial thoughts on on Notre Dame, and especially what what for the challenges they pose from an offensive standpoint?
2: Yeah. You know, I think Notre Dame's always uh, putting out a great squad. Um, I think their offensive line uh, looks really physical, um, and for me, my big key is going to be playing on the other side of the line of scrimmage. So get off, crowding the ball, you know, making them kind of dig me out of that um, is going to be uh, is going to be huge. But I think they have some really versatile playmakers. I think the running back number 23 um, is a really versatile guy out the backfield, um, running between the tackles, bouncing stuff outside. Um, I know their quarterback number 17 can throw the ball. Uh, And number twelve, the guy they got as a backup is a really, really good runner, a scrambler, you know, shifty dude. So, you know, I think they got a versatile offense. I'm excited to go against them. It's a great challenge.
0: I love asking defensive linemen this question. On what what percentage would you say? How often are you being held during the course of
2: a game? I couldn't tell you. Um, (laughs) Honestly, I mean, for me, I wear Velcro um, under my jersey to help with that, and it still happens. Uh, I think I got the C on my jersey ripped off a couple of times, actually. I've had jerseys torn completely uh, because of the holding. So if I had to put a percentage on it, (sighs) you know, I'd have to go above above 65. (laughs) Above 65, you know, that might be me being generous. I might be 75. You know, but I mean that's part of the game. That's part of the game. Uh, football is is not an exact science. So at the end of the day, you got to figure out a way to make a play through it all. But yeah, no, offensive lines really do like holding. I got a couple of pictures where my jersey is lifted off of my chest, uh, shoulder pads too. But you know that, that that is what it is.
0: So if the officials are listening to this uh, to this chat, uh, hey, uh, watch out for number four and uh, being held. Please
2: watch out for number four being held. I would really appreciate some calls.
0: <laughs> all right, as we wrap this up. Your big key or big big keys to this Saturday against Notre Dame?
2: Big keys are uh, being able to play double teams. They like running downhill, so it's going to be a lot of forehands on defensive linemen. So for me, leverage and being able to split these double teams and be able to make plays is going to be huge. Um, And then also just for the defense as a whole, tackling. You know, a lot of the time we've had opportunities to get guys down in the backfield where they bounced off or whatever and redirected and made big plays. So, you know, the first guy coming in and at least slowing the person down, you know, at least uh, so everybody else can get there is going to be huge. So, yeah, sure tackling and being able to play those double teams and stay, um, you know, solid in the midst of it all is going to be huge for us as a defense. Big
0: test to end the season, and a lot of a lot of tests have come uh, Stanford's way throughout the course uh, of this season. Thomas Booker has aced, I'm sure, many a test throughout the course of his football career and off the field as well. I can't wait to see what you've got uh, in store on and off the field going forward. Thanks a bunch. Appreciate the time. Always enjoy watching you play. Hope to chat with you again soon. Best of luck and best of health.
2: Of course. Thank you so much for having me.
0: I am not shy in saying this. I have not been, and I don't think I ever will be. Thomas Booker, uh, I'm, I'm a, I'm a tremendous fan of his a really really big fan of his and if you uh you point to the epitome of what a student athlete uh should be all about by all accounts it's that guy it's that dude and um i've also said this before and i'll say it again here <laughs> strong chance i'll either be voting for him or working for him at some point <laughs> and uh you know whether whether he does his best work on or off the field, both of those things I think are equally possible. I can't wait to see what uh, what he's got in store um, after his Stanford career is all said and done. Defensive linemen always think they're being held, don't they? <laughs> Booker says, what, 65% or so? I think I asked Harrison Phillips this, and he said uh, he might have given me a, a number closer to 80%, but uh, that's, always a, that's always a fun question. There were they've more than a few times I've been watching from the press box or even watching you know, from my couch on TV and go, hey, they are old Booker, throw the flag. It doesn't quite happen, but, but still, still, the life of a defensive lineman. <laughs> Thanks again to Thomas Booker for uh, dropping by and uh, spending time with us. On this week's episode, um, a preview of Notre Dame coming up in a moment. But I, I, I want to bring up bring up something here um, that uh, David Shaw, um, unsolicited, uh, talked about on his uh, weekly media zoom on Tuesday. And, and we'll we'll do we'll do big picture off season type stuff on next week's episode. So if you're looking for me to make make grand pronouncements and bold statements on, on what this program needs to do to turn things around and get back into form for 2022. You're, you're going to have to wait on that a bit. We'll, we'll we'll trust me, we'll have plenty of time to discuss those things um, starting after Saturday. One thing that I did want to bring up now was this bit from David Shaw and his
1: Media Zoom this week. Take a listen. It's not about... We have the wrong players, not about we have the wrong coaches. People can say whatever they want to say. That's fine. Um, Our record has earned criticism, and I'll never shy away from it. But at the same time, um, you know, I'm comfortable saying, you know, you want to take your shots at us, you want to take your shots at me, take them now. Um, Really like this group. I think we've got some special guys here. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of what you saw early in the season uh, in the near future. For these guys.
0: Yeah, and look, three and eight is a record that is definitely worthy of criticism. Especially when you started at three and two. Definitely worthy of criticism. There's 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 no question about that, and 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 no one no one would try to spin it. No one with any real credibility would try to would try to spin that anyway. Now, one constant that has stood out more and more each week is the losses keep piling up has been Shaw's faith in his guys. Uh, a couple weeks ago he's you know and he was you know a reporter asked him hey you know uh, other other coaches are, are firing assistants uh within the conference and without the conference or well, what what do you make of that and Shaw said look we're not going to we're not going to shove people away when times get tough we're going to bring them closer. And, and and every single week every single media zoom every single uh, Post game interview, every in week interview that I've that I've been a part of with him, he's he's always said, "Look, I, I I have faith in my guys, you know. This is a special group that 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 we have here. You you just heard him say that. Now, the cynical part of me would say that part of that is, well, what else is he supposed to say?" Oh my god, our front seven can't stop the run at all. And and our defense is one of the worst statistically in the nation, and, and we're having problems scoring and this and that. All. No, no. No, he's he's not he's not going to say it. At least he's not gonna say it like that. He's not gonna be like Hudson and Aliens. That movie was on when I got back home from big game, by the way. <laughs> it seemed appropriate viewing. Um, so part of me would say, Well, what else is he supposed to say, right? And and the cynical part of me would also say that that part of it is also because he has to have faith in his guys because his guys are all he has, right? This ain't the pros. You can't hit the waiver wire. Can't sign free agents off the street. Transfer portal doesn't have that immediate turnaround. And even if it did, Stanford's abilities to use the transfer portal would would be limited at best based on the academic component. Of the admissions, uh, part of the equation for getting into Stanford, football team doesn't run the show, folks. But still, even though the cynical parts of me lean towards those directions, overall, though, I still think that Shaw's faith in his guys is truly the genuine article. I I, I get the sense that it's 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 genuine. It's not artificial. I, I don't get the sense that that necessarily that, that he's he's telling us in the media one thing. Oh, I have a special group of guys, and then turn and heal. You know, once he's talking to his coaches and trying to make evaluations, I don't get that sense anyway. I don't get that sense. And certainly, there is more talent and more to like on this team, especially at the skill positions than there were on other Stanford teams over the last couple of decades with with similar win with, with a similar win-loss records. I don't think it's that close really from a talent standpoint, particularly at the skill positions. So, you know, call it stubborn, call it being overly optimistic on Shaw's part. Whatever. But I do think that his faith in these guys is 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 truly truly genuine. And he's going to need to have faith in his guys this upcoming Saturday because Notre Dame is coming to town. And the Irish are pretty good. They're 10-1. Their lone loss to Cincinnati, which looms as one of the results of the college football season, especially given that the Bearcats are number four in this week's rankings and the Irish are number six. And Notre Dame is is coming off a curb stomping, 55 nothing of Georgia Tech. And they haven't allowed a touchdown in three straight games. Granted, those three games were against Georgia Tech, Virginia, and Navy. But still, that's, that's something. Hey, Coach Shaw,
1: is this Notre Dame squad the best team you're going to face this season? Yeah, no question. No question. Um, they're appropriately ranked. Um, a lot of, lot of very skilled athletes out there. Um, they are missing their superstar uh, safety, uh, probably the best safety in America, probably the best safety in America over the last two years. Um, uh, but they haven't missed a beat defensively. Um, very aggressive, very physical. Um, on the offensive side, um, they do a great job schematically, uh, running the ball, getting the quarterbacks on the edge, uh, play action pass, and then. Uh, they have some good matchups in their favor that they take advantage of. So it's, uh, it's a good, very good football team that knows who they are and uh, they know how to win games.
0: Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. And, and look, this is the latest installment in the series that has had some, had some great moments, right? 1990, when Stanford went in and knocked off the number one Irish. 1992, John Lynch versus Jerome Bettis and Bill Walsh versus Lou Holtz. Stanford winning on both of those uh, both of those matchups decisively. 1997 was a nice win. You might remember that one. 2012 still irks me. Stefan Taylor scored. I was not happy walking out of Notre Dame Stadium that that day at all. It's also pretty wet too. What a miserable afternoon and evening that was. Oh, 2015. All right, I'm in a better mood now. (laughs) Conrad Ukerbina at the buzzer. What a great game that was. So so there have been some great moments uh, in the history of this uh, series, even though it only dates back uh, to the late 80s. And I've always been a big fan of having Notre Dame on the schedule, even when the two programs have not matched up well from a competitive standpoint. As of right now, that series is supposed to end after the 2024 meeting in South Bend, as of right now. Let's go back into the Wayback Machine for a moment, back to January of this year, when David Shaw joined the TreeCast for a one-on-one chat, and I asked him if this series might go beyond 2024. Here's what Shaw said.
1: Yeah, we've, we've been consistent and Notre Dame's been consistent that this, this rivalry is a positive, um, I think for both in, both institutions, not just the athletic departments and football programs, but uh, both institutions really appreciate this rivalry, um, the opportunity to go back and forth. Uh, we of course love going to the Midwest and playing a game every other year in the Midwest. Um, they love going to play a game every year in California, whether it's Stanford or USC. Um, I think it helps both, uh, all three of us in recruiting um, but especially this, the Stanford Notre Dame rivalry. Um, I think it's, it's a really good one. It's a physical one. Um, it's, it's, it's what we want it to be with student athletes on the field. Um, so, I, I would count on that thing getting, getting extended. Um, of course there happens in offices bigger than mine. Uh, but, uh, I, I feel comfortable that that one's going to get extended.
0: Yeah. That was a David Shaw back in January. Now, a few things have happened since then, right? <laughs> Another round of realignment has begun, thanks to Texas and Oklahoma kicking over the anthill. The, be- the, the Big Ten, the Pac-12, the ACC, they're in an alliance. So some seismic shifts forthcoming in college football. Did those events change Shaw's confidence that that Stanford-Notre Dame will still be a thing after 2024? I asked Sean Tuesday and and here's what he said.
1: Um, I know a lot of things are working right now with all the conference stuff going on. And um, you know, thus far, you know, Notre Dame has resisted joining a conference. If they do at some point in time, that may change the arrangement that we have with them. That may change the arrangement that USC has with them. It may not change the the relationship. Um, But I think most parties agree that this is a positive thing for Notre Dame. It's a positive thing for Stanford. It's a positive thing for USC. And uh, you know, hopefully that continues.
0: Yeah, slightly less confident, it seems, but still, still, I would imagine. You know, I mean, Notre Dame likes making this road trip out west every year, I mean, Stanford in odd years, and USC in even years for recruiting, and vice versa for Stanford. That's why they like making the trip out to the Midwest. Plus, it's a high-profile opponent for Stanford. And I like it because I like going to South Bend. Man, I love going to Notre Dame for football games. That is a special place, a special place on game days. Don't know what it's like the other 361 days out of the year, but that campus, it does college football right. You should go if you haven't. You should go even if you have. But a high-profile opponent for Stanford, and if you beat them, as Stanford has done five times out of the last nine, it gets you noticed, right? gets you noticed, especially from the college football pundits who who only pay attention to the legacy programs. You heard a lot of those guys shrieking back in September after Stanford beat USC. So I'd imagine it still makes sense for, for Notre Dame and for Stanford to keep this thing going, past 2024 i mean heck for all i know maybe they're just waiting for an an announcement but this is college football doesn't need to make sense it just needs to make dollars as far as this game specifically is concerned a bit on the irish their offense is flexible let's start with the ground game because That's very well where this game could be decided. It seems to be the case for Stanford, especially over the last few weeks. Kyron Williams, number 23 for the Irish. You heard Thomas Booker mention him. Leads the team in rushing with 928 yards. Oh, by the way, Stanford has rushed for 992 yards as a team this year. So I found that a an intriguing and telling comparison. You could also see a steady diet of Chris Tyree and Logan Diggs, two other tailbacks in uh, Notre Dame's system. Uh, Notre Dame has rushed for at least 150 yards in six straight games. And they dropped 249 yards rushing on Virginia a couple weeks ago and 212 more on Georgia Tech last week. Now, should Notre Dame choose to throw the ball at any point on Saturday, they'll do it with quarterback Jack Come who's had an effective season, and Michael Mayer leads the team in catches. Now, defensively, Irish may be perhaps missing their best player in safety, Kyle Hamilton. He got hurt against USC last month and uh, hasn't played since, but Hamilton um, was getting a lot of notice even before the season began. And was certainly on his way to having a, having a big-time season before his injury. But this, this Irish offense, or this Irish defense, rather, still pretty dangerous. And they still have dangerous players with gaudy numbers. Isaiah Foskey has 10 sacks this season. Just for comparison's sake, uh, Stanford as a team has 13 sacks. So their defense gets after the quarterback, and their secondary takes the ball away. They have 15 interceptions this year. So a lot's going to be on Tanner McKee here, I think, to to make the right reads against a defense that I'm sure is going to try to confuse them. And, and there have been times where secondaries have switched things up, done fantastic jobs of disguising coverages. UCLA did this in particular. Uh, Cal did it to a certain extent as well. McKee talked about it after after the game last week. And I would imagine that Notre Dame has maybe seen a few of those things on tape and said, hmm, how can we use that knowledge to work for us? So whether McKee can can make the right reads against a defense, that's that's probably going to try to disguise some things, probably going to try to confuse him a little bit, uh, start off showing zone and then switch to man or vice versa, have, having safeties go in different spots right before the snap. And there have been times where where McKee has been slightly slow to recognize things. So can McKee kind of quicken up his his recognition and be able to diagnose what the defense is truly throwing at him? I think that's going to be a critical key. Besides the obvious ones, blocking and tackling for Stanford. It, it, it really I hate that it's that simple. I, I hate that it's that it's that fundamental for the Cardinal, but it really is. Can Stanford block and can Stanford tackle? If the Cardinal can do those things along with Tanner McKee being able to solve the Notre Dame puzzle defensively, let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. Cardinal, big underdogs. I don't know what the what the spread is off the top of my head. I don't really pay attention to, to that kind of stuff. But, you know, I, I, Stanford, I'm sure, big, large underdogs, you know, Rightfully so based on what each of these teams have shown to this point this season, but Hey, strange things happen sometimes, right? Tall test, tall test. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. So hopefully by Saturday at 5 PM, you will have emerged from your Turkey coma. <laughs> and uh, if you have a chance, head down to Stanford stadium and check out the game. Um, uh, I, I'm not sure the, the, the last few years, um at the uh at the at the home finales at the end of the game, um you know, the, the stadium staff has, has let fans onto the field um just to just to hang out and mill about and just kind of you know take it in. I, I I think that's a really, really cool thing that they've done um over the past few years. I'm not sure if they're gonna do that this year because, well, COVID-19 is still a thing. But Hopefully they do. Hopefully you head down to the stadium and check it out. And, uh, you know, hey, it, at the very least, send off the seniors who've been through a lot and done a lot. Um, and who knows? You might see something special on Saturday. It's the beauty of college football. As always, I welcome your thoughts, what you've got going in your mind around Stanford football. Hit me with the hashtag TreeCast. Hashtag TreeCast is the way to go. Again, you should be at Stanford Stadium. I will not be able to, however, due to Pac-12 network uh, duties uh, on the play-by-play side. So what that means is that in all likelihood, I will be watching the game getting caught up on Sunday. And that likely means that the next episode of the Tree Cast will come your way on Monday. So our our, our posting schedule is slightly off this week uh, due to the Thanksgiving holiday and and also due to the fact that I'm not going to be a part of the festivities in person on Saturday. So we'll talk to you on Monday. Thanks to our special guest, Thomas Booker. Always enjoy chatting with that guy. Thanks to, well, David Shaw, Dalen Wade Perry, and Walter Rouse. You heard from from those three guys, too. And the biggest thanks of all goes to you for checking out the show, for being a part of the program, for subscribing for downloading and listening and rating and reviewing and, and enjoying the show, even though sometimes, especially for the last six weeks or so, we haven't necessarily been talking about enjoyable stuff. And, uh, hope that, uh, this Thanksgiving holiday, uh, finds you, uh, surrounded by people you love eating food. You enjoy and watching good football. That's what Thanksgiving's all about. We'll see you Monday. Don't drink and drive. If you do, you're the dumbest person on the planet see you next time on the tree cast with troy clarity on the believe podcast network